Hello ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the GameDev.TV Community Podcast. I'm your host KB, and this podcast brings you the audio experience of GameDev.TV. Now, let's get right into the podcast. Hi, uh, my name is uh, Megan Tompkins, also known as Megan Zavala, and um, I'm currently a concept artist at Unbroken Studios. How how did you get started with art? What's the uh, what's the uh, beginning of your journey? Um, so I actually come from uh, parents who have also done artwork for their living. Um, basically, since as far back as I can remember, um, my parents were always doing artwork at home, and it was just something that I kind of just felt very comfortable around growing up. And so that that was just basically how I got started was through my parents. What kind of artwork do they do? So um, my dad and um, for a while my mom, they were both graphic designers and they did a lot of like product design. Um, my mom was focusing more on like uh, packaging design for liquor and wine. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they happen to work for inner workings? <laughs> I mean, um, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I only ask that because one of my clients does exactly that. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And so um, when I was growing up, yeah, that's what they were doing. And my dad, I think I remember both of them for a while, um, they were working for a company called TriStar in San Antonio, Texas. And it was just a lot of packaging design. And so sometimes they would bring me into the office and I, I would just see like all of the different layouts that they'd have on their like mood boards and all the different designs they'd have going on for different like perfume bottles and stuff and mm. it was just like it was so fascinating to see all of that like behind the scenes you know and so that that was something that kind of really inspired me growing up hmm. and so you just started drawing when you were younger like it just came naturally to you yeah um <laughs> it's funny my mom actually has like a photo somewhere in the house it's of me still in diapers and I'm on the floor with like a giant piece of paper and like crayons and I'm just going for it. You know, I'm just like scribbling all these circles and yeah, it, it was just something that kind of like, That's interesting. yeah, I just gravitated towards it pretty quickly. Um, but yeah. And then, you know, as I continued to get older, uh, my dad would actually encourage me to like practice on my own and like, he'd have me sit down and practice drawing my Barbies you know, <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> you have to draw those Barbies. <laughs> yeah, like life drawing and like kind of like pseudo figure drawing with my dolls. And it's it like, was just like, yeah, he strongly encouraged. I, I really get into it. So like set them up in scenes, you know, action <laughs> scenes and sketch out what they're doing. Right. <laughs> yeah. And like he, he would set a timer I mean, as well. I mean, I used to do the same thing with army men when I was a kid. So. <laughs> Awesome. No, that's really good, though. I mean, that's that's actually even good parenting advice. There is, you know, pay attention to what your kids are doing and encourage them to do the things that they enjoy. Right? Totally. I was really lucky on that end. You know, what's really awesome about that. It's it seemed like in a way they taught you anatomy without even really like trying to teach you. Just like draw Barbie dolls, and then eventually you're like, I can draw the human body. Like it's easy. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) that's hard for me. I'm that, like, that oh, might be human? a for debate. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, um, it was just, it was such a good start because it did introduce me to, like, uh, life drawing and really looking at observational skills, you know, just really trying to practice 
mm-hmm. figuring out what I'm looking at and like why it works when you put it down on paper, you know, mm-hmm. getting that 3D dimensionality to it. I think doing that from such a young age uh, really kickstarted the way I could learn once they started teaching it in school. And so, yeah, it was, it was super helpful. And I'm curious, since he kind of encouraged you, did would you have done it if he didn't? You know, that's a great question because um, I was so like scatterbrained all the time growing up. I was very like all over the place. And so I'm not sure what I would have done had he not introduced it to me in the beginning. I mean, eventually, obviously, I would have started in school, but I would have probably started so much later and it probably would have taken me a lot longer to really um, understand the skill set behind it, you know, really yeah. looking up what I'm drawing and, and figuring it out. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Nurture thing, isn't it? Like you maybe would have found it eventually, but since you were nurtured to do it, you came to it so much quicker, I suppose. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's, it kind of like, it gave me that head start. And so once we started doing life drawing at school, it was like, oh, I've been doing this at home. I got this. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, when you say school, is this high school or college? Uh, high school. So I um, I went to a magnet art school. It was basically like a supplemental program um, connected to a public school in San Antonio. And um, it was uh, Northeast School of the Arts. And so they had multiple different majors. And I actually had this plan um, already in middle school that I wanted to get into animation. And so um, I took two years uh, starting out in cinema design and just learning the basics behind like cinema class. And then the following two years, so like my junior and senior years of school, um, that's when I actually started taking life drawing classes and like um, really focusing on the visual arts. And so it wasn't until I was like 16 that I really started taking like formal classes for it. Oh, it's a young age. Yeah, it's, it's. Uh, but it's good. Yeah. Now, did everyone around you, like, encourage you? Like, your teachers, your friends, your parents? Oh, my God, yeah. Like, <laughs> I think the first time I remember where it, like, really clicked for me that, oh, my gosh, like, I could really do something about this is, um, I think it was, like, fourth grade. And I remember getting really into anime at that time and just, like, redrawing a lot of my favorite characters, you know? And at one point, I was drawing, like, Yu-Gi-Oh! characters. And I was doing this in front of, like, classmates. And my classmates, they were like, hey, could you, like, could you draw me this character? Could you draw me that character? And I was like, oh, you know, I'll draw it if you uh, if you trade me, like, your, your Yu-Gi-Oh! cards. Yeah. Oh, I love it. <laughs> you pay me! And that's when I realized, it's like, I could do something with this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. My timing. You're an entrepreneur. <laughs> I imagine this is probably because she has artists that are parents that make a living from being artists, right? Yeah. <laughs> this is work. You pay me for that. Something <laughs> in return, please. I need commodity back for my commodity, please. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun, though. I, I still have those you cards. Really- <laughs> cool kid of the school you were like come to me i'll uh, i'll throw you for those you go cards oh man it was like 15 minutes away but once that died down it was like i was back in the shadows <laughs> now from there did you did you make like a plan where you're like hey for the next like two years i'm gonna study this and then i'm gonna become animation and do like concept art like did you really just go fall all in on this 
Well, yeah. So like, um, you know, one thing that my parents really did instill in me is that um, if I was serious about going into artwork, I would have to have some sort of game plan because um, especially back then um, in Texas, it, the state wasn't very like conducive for creative careers. You know, it was either you had something that was very practical, like for them, it was like graphic design where it was very towards like advertising and marketing or, you know, you were kind of free falling, just trying to do freelance. And so, um, and so I had done like some brief research. I think it was at the beginning of high school. They sat us down in a class where they had us analyze like different salaries and different careers and like what you could actually do with different skill sets. And I realized that um, at a certain point, animators and like art directors, people that were working for companies like Disney and Pixar, they were they were doing really well, you know. And mm-hmm. so a little light bulb went off in my head. And I was like, I don't know. 14 or 15 at the time. I was like, you know what? If I plan out my education so I could get into this area, I might make that much money. You know, I was just kind of like I idolizing this like career path for myself. And so um, and so that's kind of like where I really started getting serious was like, okay, I can take cinema classes and learn the fundamentals of like what it means to make like a layout for a scene, you know, how, what makes it work. And then from there, really focus on refining my drawing abilities and trying to put those two together. And so it it paid off, I would say. <laughs> yeah, you're like, show me the money. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm hearing here is a is a is a often repeated refrain is practice makes better. Spend time working on it. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. How- how much time do you spend on a typical day outside of work working on your own skills, like enhancing your skills still to make them even better these days? So usually um, my weekends, I spend a few hours just like doing whatever I want with my own artwork. Um, lately, it's been a lot about like Animal Crossing. I'm just do- doing a lot of fan art. And so, um, but I just kind of allow myself to explore without really thinking about it. I just kind of like get my pen on the Cintiq and just really start drawing and see where it goes. Mm. But the important part of it is um, that muscle memory, just retaining that feeling of actually drawing things down and like figuring out what works and what doesn't, but not thinking about it too hard. Just try to like let yourself flow so that you don't get burned out. So that's, 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 what, you think that's what holds a lot of artists back, like overthinking what they're going to make. Yeah, you know, it's, it is a common uh, trend to kind of like you call it noodling, you know, where you get really fixated on a certain, like, for example, a lot of people have hard times drawing hands. And so you kind of like noodle into it a little too much and you keep going and you keep going and you keep like erasing. And it, it can really disrupt that flow of the bigger picture. And so just practicing like fast gesture drawings, you know, just things where you like, you time yourself for like five minutes, 10 minutes, something like that can really keep you in, in a better huh. mindset of tackling whatever it is you're drawing. It's really interesting because that's also a musician's technique. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> hmm. Well, yeah, it's like, you know, you just want to break into it without thinking too hard. And so. Yeah, yeah. No, exactly. I mean, pick up your guitar and just kind of pluck around for a little bit, you know, five, ten minutes and see what comes out. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, so Ricardo just joined us. He's another co-host. Hello. Hey, hello, Ricardo. Hello. Hey. 
Oh, we've got almost the full crew here today. So back to the whole game plan, what would you say to people who don't have that game plan, especially young at a young age, or just kind of like roaming around, not knowing what they want to do with their life? Um, I guess I would say like if if they're trying to figure it out, I I would probably just gravitate towards like practicing fundamentals until you find something that you particularly enjoy. So when I say fundamentals, I mean like taking a class about basic lighting or basic um, life drawing, you know, like drawing a cup, drawing uh, a book, things that are just kind of like getting into that initiation of coaxing those skills out, if that makes sense. Because I think for me, I didn't really start figuring out exactly what I wanted to do until I tried out a bunch of different styles. And so like, I realized that I didn't want to be an animator when I um, finally was in art school in college and I had taken an animation course. Um, and funny enough, it actually was a stop motion animation course. Like they had filled up all the 2D and 3D courses. And so that was the only one left. And, um, but it still had the basic principles, you know, of like, figuring out your shots and, and slowly doing one frame at a time. And I realized that um, the process was so tedious and it was so slow. It was like, oh, I, I think I need to like have something that has more like gratification behind it. And so it was just that like experience of actually getting my hands dirty and really trying for the first time that helped me focus on what I actually really wanted to do. And so if you're young and you're just trying to figure it out, I would say just like, yeah, just explore all those different options. Don't like leave any doors closed, you know? Just be open-minded and see where you actually gravitate. If, if you sort of look at your work, there's the thing that sort of goes through all of it is a deep love of pop culture and video games and all of these elements that sort of come into your work that use all these different styles to sort of portray. What is it about video games in particular that just draws you in? What is it about that medium? With video games, it's really interesting because like, unlike film where you're being told a story and it's just being given to you, um, with games, there's a bit more control and there's more interactivity that I really enjoy about it. Like you're not only bringing to life these characters, but you're experiencing their emotions. You're experiencing what they're going through. And that's something that really touches me personally as a player and as an artist is you, as an artist, you know, you actually are bringing these characters to life. And it's like, not only that, but now they get to interact with someone else. And there's just this organic interaction that you don't normally get from, um, from like an animation standpoint or like a film standpoint. Mm. Yeah, that's really interesting. There's certainly a, different, certainly a different dimension there to something like cinema, which you've obviously studied as well. Um, right. The interactivity is so important especially if you're dealing with art I suppose it's just a different way of experiencing art exactly it's just it's so much more hands-on and it just really makes you feel like you're a part of the work itself mm. have you seen the Netflix special Bandersnatch you know I haven't but I have read a lot it's... about it <laughs> Yeah, I ask about that because it's like one of those uh, kind of hybrid things, right? The linear experience, but with some interactivity from the player. It was almost like uh, watching a choose-your-own-adventure book. 
Yeah, that's what I've heard. A lot of people have said that. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 such a weird like medium to kind of explore when right? all of these different scenes are pre-recorded and it's up to you to figure out which one you pull out, you know, and it's just like, well, are people going to be satisfied right. with their ending? Like, what's going to happen? <laughs> well, I, I actually was reading something where somebody was saying that they're planning on doing some more like that that are even more complicated than Bandersnatch was with actually, like, different endings. Because that was, spoiler alert, one of the things about Bandersnatch is that it always ended the same way, regardless oh, of really? the choices you made. <laughs> oh, wow. I actually I actually didn't know that. But, yeah, that would be good to see. Yeah, if, it like, gives you the illusion. Huh. Yeah, right. The, the entire point of Bandersnatch is that you, as a person in society, has the illusion of control, but everything that you are doing is given to you by corporations and other people who design products. You know, the typical antisocial. Yeah, <laughs> the typical realism. <laughs> totally. A little Going bit of a to... tangent there from, yeah. <laughs> from the topic, Sorry. but yeah. <laughs> I mean, I totally, under, you know, I totally get you. I mean, that's the entire reason why I play games instead of watching TV. I mean, I enjoy watching TV to go to sleep. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I just, I've always loved that part where it just, it really invigorates your senses to be able to actually explore a story for yourself, you know, at your own pace. My favorite thing with artwork is that you can, there's literally a story and it can be any type of story with each artwork. You might come up with something different. I might come up with something different. But just one simple drawing, painting, sculpture can have a whole entire plethora of stories behind it. Yeah. No, that's totally true. I just... And that's how I get my ideas. I'm just going to look at a concept art and be like, there's a story behind this. Let's make it happen, whether in a game, a movie, a show, an idea. Yeah. And that's something that I've really loved about work, too. Artwork is that... Um, depending on the style, you can get so many different interpretations of like the same scene, you know? And it's just something that's really always fascinated me. It was just the way that people can convey a certain mood just with the type of style that they want to go for, you know, that visual development. It just, it makes all the difference when it comes to tone. Mm -hmm. I like the, uh, the pokey fusion you have, the star picks. Mm, it's interesting. Cause like, it doesn't really have a face, but yet I feel a lot of emotion from it. Oh really? What what emotions yeah. do you pull from it? It's it's like it's excited yet I can't even really see it, but it's just like I feel it from <laughs> the way you draw it. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, that was a really fun uh, practice. It was just you know that trend that was going on where everyone was drawing like these poke fusions. I thought that was really fun because it took those like original clean designs and then like completely blew it up into a whole new experience. And that was yeah, that was a lot of fun doing that. It um, really reminds me of one of the, sorry, KB, it really reminds me of one of the um, machines from Horizon Zero Dawn, mm. somehow. Yeah, I can sort of see it with the, if the light turned blue and red on its face, then maybe. You know, it's so funny, I have that game and I still haven't picked it up yet, I've just been so busy. What are you doing? I know! <laughs> yeah, <after this laughs> podcast, you got to play the whole I mean, game because a new one's coming out with <laughs> man i wish i had time games to play games play. Like <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing is that when you when you work in games it's so hard to make time to actually play the games <laughs> right yeah I mean, it's just working in general gets in the way <laughs> well ideally gets in the way yeah it's like, like when you're younger you wanted all these games to last longer 
And now that you're older, the games do last longer, but you still have time to play them. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. I met this guy in, in an ESL once, and he was telling me, like, he has two kids, right? He used to play Dota, and, like, the matches are, like, 40 minutes plus. <laughs> and he had to quit to play Fortnite. Because <laughs> at least he can finish a game. Yeah, those That's games a- last, like, five minutes, two minutes. Never yeah. know. It's it's just it's hardly any time to actually play anything anymore. But you know that's why I like Animal Crossing right now is there is no like time restriction of like how, how you have to make it through this whole match to be able to like play it. You know you can just pick it up, play for like five minutes, put it down, and it's just gonna be there. You know it'll wait for you. <laughs> you don't have to worry. <laughs> yeah. Are you streaming <laughs> the game Sorry? online? Were you streaming Animal Crossing? No, I don't. I don't actually uh. stream. No. I, I don't know how to stream. <laughs> it's annoying. Like, you have to entertain people. Because <laughs> you have to talk to yourself and pretend there's other people listening. It's terrible. My I most... tried a few times. Oh, man. <laughs> my yeah, most I don't think successful I... stream had two people on it. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> the two loyal fans. Let's go back to the uh, exploring the fundamentals and, like, finding out if you're good at if you can do an artist's work, like if you can become a painter, an animator, concept artist, what if you're like older? Do you think you still have time to be a concept artist or do you feel like you're weighed down by responsibilities? You know, that, that, that's an excellent question because I think at that point, it, it really depends on your um, your personal resources and like if you have the support system you need to really explore that career because it does take time. And... Um, it does take a lot of networking and a lot of like getting your hands dirty with like early experience and just really trying to work your way up. And so um, as an adult, I would say like you really need a strong support system, probably through your family or like um, through friends. If you're living with roommates, you know, having something so that you can take that pressure off yourself financially to be able to really focus on your craft. It's, it's just, it's really hard when you have all, all these responsibilities, like you said. Like it's it's just just getting those resources to kind of ground yourself and have that stability is just so essential to be able to work creatively, you know. And so um, I'm not sure. I think anyone can really do it if uh, if they have that time to be able to set for it. But um, yeah, it, it can be really hard, but it's worth it. That's the thing. At the end of the day, it's going to be worth it. No, I, I, I can tell. Because even me, when I do something pretty decent, I'm not that good at drawing. But like, I'm like, wow, what if I made like that Poké Fusion? I'm just saying. <laughs> awesome. yeah. like, I'm just a, a feeling of like accomplishment. Like I can do that, and I can make money off of it. Yeah. No, it it is such a really good feeling. Like I still can't believe I'm in this I'm in this career. Honestly, like it blows my mind every day. But um. It is a lot of time that goes into it, and just trying to like improve yourself every day is is it's a lot of work. But mm-hmm. yeah, you get a better, better perspective of how long it takes. How long did it take you to do the Poké Fusion? Oh, that Poké Fusion thing! I think that was like two hours, maybe two three hours. 
Like, she's like, oh, you know, I was just kind of bored and whipped it out. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, okay. At this point. okay. So let's, let's make it more relatable. How long did you practice drawing to get to that point? Like, what, 10 years? Because oh, <laughs> you have um, two hours I think <laughs> from the moment I started actively focusing on improving my work, to be a concept artist, I would say it took me about like seven years to, to get to, yeah. Sounds about right. Yeah, it, cause like once you start putting your, your attention towards um, improving your work, it just like you wake up one day and you look at your work and you see all the flaws behind it and you realize, oh, oh I'm actually, I'm not that good, damn. <laughs> like, you know, you, you start like, you like know, but that's, that's a good thing though. That's the great thing is that when you start seeing points where you can improve, that means um, yeah. your, your mind's improving and now it's just getting your hand to catch up. Yeah, yeah you know? exactly. You guys have seen that graph where it's like you have that increase in skill set, but then your mind's eye kind of plateaus and then it like it goes back and forth where your mind's eye gets like a lot better than your skill set. <laughs> And you just kind of like go back and forth between feeling really good about yourself and then feeling like crap. <laughs> like, the Dunning Kruger effect was that what it was? It, uh, is it? I don't know. It's the, when you're when you don't know anything about a topic, you think you're a master of it. Is that the one you were talking about? Um, and then as you get better, you like have a much more realistic interpretation. As you're kind of middle skill, you think that you're way worse than you are <laughs> until you finally get to the point where you're actually at the level of mastery that you that you can recognize your actual skills. That's actually yeah, that's a good yeah. way of expressing it because it's just for a long time you can think you're good and you put down that piece of work for a bit and you come back to it and you're just like, what was I thinking? Like, oh my god. <laughs> be really embarrassing at times but yeah I, it completely is I, i've experienced the same thing as a programmer i look at the stuff that i've written you know years ago and i can see things like oh i didn't know how to do that at that time and yeah. now i do and i can correct it right exactly with art you have stuff online you put your online portfolio you have git to check your old code or something so you can actually look at how you were back in the day like three four five years ago and actually see the progress. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, can, can you imagine like 500 years ago, you had to actually keep the drawings <laughs> somewhere? Oh my God. Yeah, that's so true. Like, I have so many old pieces of artwork up on DeviantArt that I wouldn't remember had it not been online. And so like, you can go and see like an old profile from middle school and you can see all these like old drawings. It's like, oh my God, it's baby Meg when she was like first starting out. <laughs> which one on there is your favorite of my old work yeah so i actually um one of my first pieces i posted online was this pencil sketch of a dragon holding like an orb and it's like just laying on this massive globe orb thing and it, it was just like nondescript but I put so much work into all of those scales and I still remember the memory of actually drawing it in class and my teacher got quite mad at me. What? <laughs> yeah, because it was just like a math class. Yeah. It wasn't related to art whatsoever, but I remember that nun, she, uh, she got really upset with me. 
<laughs> Probably because it was a joke. I want to mess with nuns. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, That's but good. definitely one of my favorites from back then. At least it was something productive. Kids nowadays are just texting. Yeah, 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 that's true. But I think kids are doing a lot more online yeah. than we ever could have imagined before. You know, they're, they're actually so much more productive communicating with people. Their brains are working differently nowadays, yeah. Totally, yeah. They're just so much more efficient when it comes to online communication. It's crazy. Yeah, I saw this, this thing about Google. Like, uh, we are... We have this tendency as humans to know where to get information inside a tribe. Uh, and that is a skill we developed over millennia, right? Mm -hmm. And now you have Google, so you always know where to get any information at any time. So you can actually focus mm -hmm. on how to solve problems and not how to remember dates or whatever your history teacher told you. Yeah, that's fascinating. I can see an unintended side effect of that as well, which is that since Google provides you all of the information that you want at all times, it's much more difficult to determine the accuracy and authority of the person who's telling you that. Unlike when we were tribal, I knew that Joe was the guy who was really good at chopping wood, right? Yeah. yeah. Now there's, you know, Joe and Jane and Jack and everybody else telling you how to chop wood on the Internet. How do you know which one's right? Yeah, that's awesome. Yes and no. Uh, I think older people, yes, because uh, they're used more to like uh, having the news on TV and it's the news. So everything they see is kind of trusted. <laughs> and younger yeah. people are more used to checking facts and actually right. realizing stuff are fake news and stuff. <laughs> compared to, Because uh, there was this thing in the Brazilian election, people were complaining that the uh, older ladies were sharing fake news on WhatsApp. Like, <laughs> yeah, young people do that as a joke and they laugh at it. Yeah, that's true, that's true. Maybe it's an art of itself. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's so, a very yeah. interesting point, Ricardo, though. Because yeah. yeah. you can find the contradiction as well. Like, yeah. You, there are... Someone will say, oh, this is not true at all. And then... <laughs> Yeah, you can just ignore the guy, but usually multiple people will say that, so you can just go after <laughs> the sources and realize, oh, it's actually not that at all. <laughs> it's kind of like taking art advice from people who aren't artists. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or game development advice from yeah. non-gamers, <laughs> even worse. <laughs> <laughs> On that topic, though, um, are there any people um, that you kind of follow as artists for inspiration or, or like learning and different techniques that you find on the Internet? Like what's your favorite sources on the Internet for inspiration and, and training and guidance? Oh, my goodness. Well, that's an interesting question because um, I'm kind of a little more sporadic when it comes to learning and like finding sources of inspiration. Um, I don't necessarily look at a single artist. I kind of like, if something catches my eye, I'll dive into that subject or that visual style and I'll, I'll kind of explore that for the day. But I think when it comes to maybe like specific people, um, in college, I was really fascinated by Corey Loftus and Ryan Lang and their work, um, particularly because they had a similar clean 
readability to their style that really fascinated me from like Pokemon, you know, where like the silhouette design is so instantly recognizable with their characters. Like you can immediately read it so clearly. <laughs> and, and that was something that like gravitated me towards their work. But lately my inspiration kind of just comes from all over the place. And so I tend to go outside and like I look at other things going on in the world and then I'll try to bring that back into my own work. So you were formally trained as an artist though, right? So, I mean, you got the opportunity to go through a lot of different kinds of styles you know, throughout history, right? Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I, I have kind of like not memory problems, but I have ADHD. And so when it comes to memorizing names and like <laughs> styles and things, I, I kind of have a poor ability to like recollect those things. So but, with you. <laughs> that <must be> my <laughs> problem. But it, it does stick with me visually speaking. Like, I can retain things visually really, really well. And so even though I can't remember like the description about it or like if it was impressionist or, you know, Rococo or something, but I do remember what it looks like. And so, um, yeah, it, it now, when, just. Hmm? I was going to say, when did you realize that you had like ADHD or that you had a trouble remembering names and stuff like that? Well, the trouble remembering names is, has been lifelong. <laughs> Mm -hmm. I was very bad at, at test taking um, because of that. My memory, like my ability to memorize things is quite poor, but um, I wasn't formally diagnosed until I was, I think like 15, 15 or 16. And when I finally did get treatment, um, my, <laughs> my grades skyrocketed. <laughs> like, so I was what did getting... it feel like before and after? So, before it kind of like it was weird like I just for some reason couldn't figure out how everyone was retaining so much information all at once you know like names and dates and just like for me inside my head it was just really cloudy but but I, I don't know how to describe it like cloudy but beautiful if that makes sense like I could see oh, things yeah, I could yeah. see things so clearly in my head, visually speaking, but the words just yeah, weren't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the words just weren't yeah. there, and so I could like draw things so much faster than I could like actually articulate it, you know. And that's that's partly why I, I prefer to have audio only for these type of things because like if I see all your faces, I get so just like wrapped up in my head of like, oh man, she has a really nice like contour and like he, he has a really cool hairline, you know, like my head just. <laughs> all over the place and then I no i get yeah yeah and so um so afterwards once i did get the treatment it was just like a whole side of my ability to think just was unlocked like my my ability to actually talk to people and just like retain information like all of it just completely opened up and like suddenly i could do anything you know it was, it was just so really awesome. crazy. yeah and what was the like treatment so was it, like it was Combination therapy and um, medication. And so okay. I actually, um, what's funny is I didn't have proper dosage up until really, really recently. Like I'm talking about the past couple of years recently. But like um, when I started taking, I think it, I started off on Adderall and they were, they would immediately put me on like 20 milligrams, which is for me at least, I'm, I'm a small person and it was quite a lot. And so, um, 
I didn't understand that I was actually taking too much. And so the side effects were kind of a little extreme where I would like get a little depressed by the end of the day, I get really irritable and I could only hyperfixate on whatever interested me at the time. So for me, it was artwork and like my skill set just like, <laughs> it got me so many scholarships by the end of high school. Cause like I was just, doing nothing but like, <laughs> you would just go into those obsessive. Yeah. I was just going to town. <laughs> like, but people didn't notice that I was, I was kind of like tweaking as, as they put it, where it was just like a little mm. too much medication. And so, um, after I dropped out of art school in like, uh, it was like three semesters in, it was just like too much for me to handle. I was like so overwhelmed and I was, the side effects were just too extreme for me. And so um, I weaned myself off the medication for a while. And it was through the help of um, my boyfriend, now husband, uh, he, uh, he helped me get off it. And then um, I managed to go back to college, I think like, almost three years later, get myself through college with a degree. And it wasn't until I started applying to Disney that I realized maybe I should, um, maybe I should try getting treatment again, because uh, this, this is really hard. <laughs> like, this is really hard trying to go through the brain fog, like, yeah, and just keep keep up with everyone, you know, it was such a struggle. And so, I, uh... I was thinking about something that you said earlier when you were talking about uh, having trouble remembering things. I've I've historically not really had a great deal of difficulty remembering like people's names. It was one of those things that was usually pretty helpful. You could walk into a room and everybody introduced themselves and you could just like rattle off their names, right? But that was like one thing that I could do with my memory. I I, I feel like I picked the work that I do on purpose because my memory is bad. Because for what I do, it's actually useful to intentionally forget things so that you're always <laughs> approaching problem solving from a neutral perspective without bias. That's really fascinating. That's actually really cool. Yeah. Yeah, I would say my ADHD in a similar way. Yeah, it really affected why I went into artwork. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 It's just something that you got to work with. You know, you can't fight it. You got to like somehow yeah. bring out your strengths. Yeah. Mm -hmm. well, I no, suppose it's I was... it, sorry. <laughs> we, all talk... we all started talking. Everyone else go. Right? Like, you know, everybody's had these stay at home orders, and I'm laughing at all of the extroverts who are having a difficult time sitting at home for a month. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, this is my normal life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I love all the memes that come out of it where it's like artists before quarantine and they're sitting there. During quarantine, <laughs> it's like the same picture. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm so many of those nerds great. before quarantine, nerds after quarantine. Exactly. Same <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I don't it's know. Summer said there. though, but that whole thing. Yeah. Where like, a lot of people were like, "Oh, you know, we don't want to work," and then the quarantine happens, and now they're like, "Oh, we want to go back to work," and it's like you got to fix yeah. something in your life. <laughs> you have problems outside of work. <laughs> you got, yeah. <laughs> you you had like a forced vacation and you wanted it to end. Like, <laughs> I mean, if you're not getting paid, yeah, usually oh, yeah, people like getting paid. More, more of it was just like they were just stuck in that house. They're like, I don't know what to do with my yeah. life. Oh man, that's where hobbies come in handy. Yeah, it's the the thing with choice, right? 
because you want to have the choice to actually leave your home. You don't want to be forced in. That's, I guess you're right. It's like that. Well, like being like, don't play games. And you're like, well, I want to play games now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel the same way, Ricardo. I was like, you know, I, I, I normally sit at home just, you know, while I work from home, right? So I, I feel like, you know, all of my coworkers being out there is like an extension of me being out there. And I know yeah. what's going on in the world. And when everybody was like stuck at home, I was just like, I got to get out of here. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, we're just rebels at heart. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I guess Megan, it's just like acknowledging, you know, the hard, the hard things that you've had to overcome to get where you are. I think it's amazing that, um, yeah, you've managed to just persevere, and it is really hard when something like that is diagnosed. But then equally, it helps you understand yourself better. So yeah. I guess yeah, acknowledging it for yourself, it's I think it's great. Thank you, because. Uh... I, I actually just tried to ignore it for a lot of years, honestly. Like, um, I just figured if I worked hard enough and I just kind of like fought my way past it that I could succeed. And I guess at a certain point, it's like you got to kind of surrender yourself to getting help and just allowing people to support you so that you can be your best self, you know? And, and so if it wasn't for like my husband's family and my family being so supportive of um, my diagnosis and just like really trying to find help, the help I needed to get back on track. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know if I would have gotten that Disney job. <laughs> like, you know, at, at a certain point, you got to like really just focus on your own mental health and making sure that you're taking care of yourself while you're working through all this. And so, yeah. Yeah. And it's also really generous of you to share that experience because I'm sure there will be people. I mean, there's something in your story that I'm sure everybody can take something from. But I'm sure there are lots of people listening who, you know, take great solace that you've achieved so much and, you know, come so far. So I think, yeah, it's really generous of you to tell us about it. Oh, well, I mean, of course, I think I think having um, spreading awareness for things like ADHD and you know autism or anxiety like all, all these different diagnoses I think it's, it's just really important that people know they're not alone for sure mm -hmm. um, yeah I I personally didn't know that many people with ADHD growing up and so like I always kind of felt a bit, a bit of an outsider you know it, it was just really hard to like maintain friendships and work out what was making me so different and so it's I think nowadays the younger generation has such a great opportunity to learn about these things online and through other people's experiences. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to help, of course. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's also a, a good thing of the of any Facebook group and stuff. Like, you can find people that are going through the same thing. You can help each other. And, and not, and even with super, super rare cases, like, if there are two people in the world with a condition, you can find each other and help each other. And back even 10 years ago, you couldn't. Well, not 10, 20. <laughs> you couldn't. <laughs> Sorry, for me, yeah. the, the 80s were still 10 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> the 90s were still 10 definitely. years ago for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, Facebook groups, oh, man, they, they are so handy lately. Um, but I do find a lot of people are gravitating more towards Discord. Have you guys noticed that? Like, there's just a lot yeah, of Discord groups right, coming up. Too. Yeah, it and, just and seems like 
more control and moderation as well. Right. Yeah. No, there's just so many different avenues I guess people are taking. Like I tend to stay around Twitter most often. I have like different accounts for different feeds. You know, I got my Animal Crossing Twitter. I got my main art Twitter. I got like my yeah, personal Twitter. Instagram with cats. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's <laughs> also that. Like Facebook is too personal. Yeah, it's and you got a bunch of like. Family. Yeah, exactly. You got you got family on there. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> this is actually yeah. one of the reasons why I don't put coworkers on my Facebook until I have left that place that I work. <laughs> oh, I don't want policy. people that I work with to have any idea what my politics are because that's pretty much all I ever chat about on Facebook with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. it's like close friends and family. Exactly. People that I can actually have a conversation with. <laughs> At least for me. I mean, I'm one of those people that I've got like, you know, 80 people maybe on my Facebook total. <laughs> Well, that, that's really nice. I mean, that's better than having hundreds and then not being able to keep up on, like, who's doing what. <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. And, I mean, the vast majority of them are people from back home because I moved from Washington State to New York about eight years ago and then Chicago two years ago. So it's like yeah. just keeping track of, of all of your friends and, and relations, it's, it's, it's pretty much what it's for. I like, the, I like the insight that Twitter is a little more anonymous I, I like that idea of having multiple accounts as well for different interests yeah totally it's it's just every medium every platform has like a different use that you could really expand upon so it is nice now getting back to dropping out of the first art school like how was that like what did you how did you get through that um you want to know about like that art school in particular like that experience or like afterwards like what i did more like how how did you get to the point where you're like i have to drop out and like what was just going through your mindset and how'd you how'd you manage to get through that moment in your life oh man so that yeah that was a really really low point in my life um it was weird because i actually was doing really well in my classes um i was getting all the work done you know i, I was getting so much good feedback from my teachers and like I felt like artistically speaking, I was doing pretty well, but um, my mental health was at such a low point where every day, even though I was getting the work done, it just like, I felt so numb and I felt so like, like disconnected from reality, very like dissociating with a lot where I just couldn't ground myself in a way that felt healthy, that, that felt natural. And, and so I think it was like, in the middle of that third semester, I um, I realized that if I didn't get help or if I didn't give myself a break, I I was going to crumble at some point. You know, I wasn't going to be able to mm -hmm. carry through with my work. And so I was really scared because, you know, it was so expensive. It was like way out of what I could afford. And even though I had a scholarship that basically covered almost all my tuition, it um, it was the housing and like the cost of just expenses, you know, just daily living, it just added up so much. And so like, I just, I just realized that I, did, I didn't want to waste time, but I was so scared of telling my parents that I wanted to come home. And, um, but they were, thankfully, like they were so supportive, you know, like they, they really helped me out where they were just like, no, it's okay. Like if you need to take time off, like that's fine. And the school even reassured me. They're like, if you need to take leave of absence, that's okay. And so I think it was that where it was like, okay, I can take some time off, figure it out, and then maybe I can go back. And so um, 
so yeah, and so that third semester, I uh, decided to put in a formal application for leave of absence, and I packed up all my things and headed back to Texas. And uh, mind you, I don't think I mentioned this. This is all in Baltimore. <laughs> like, this is at, okay. uh, yeah, this is all in the Baltimore Art School. But um, yeah, and so then I went back to Texas, and uh, it wasn't until um, I think it was just like a few months later that. I started getting freelance work at home. I was working at an airport full-time as like retail. <laughs> I was just working at a shop, but then at home I would actually take up work online. And um, and even though I was like still trying to recover and like get myself together and living with my parents, um, I felt like I needed to at least do something to keep my artwork together. And so, uh, friend from high school had reached out to me and um, they had moved to England at some point after after they graduated. And uh, they reached out asking if I was interested in doing um, artwork for their band, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. they, uh, they just wanted some like EP cover. And I was like, you know what? Oh, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll try this out. You know, like I'll, I'll do an album cover. Yeah, whatever. And uh, and that's actually how I met my husband <laughs> was uh, through that band. That. Yeah, is uh, he um, he was the what do you call it the front frontman? Like he he would oh. write the music and then they would all record it together and like and so um, that's how I met Lucas. And over time, our friendship kind of developed further, and he basically reinvigorated my passion for like really going for what I want again just nice (laughs) yeah Yeah, it was just you know seeing him and like what he was going for with his band and like he was just so determined to get his music out there and like it was just so inspiring to see that and so I kind of felt like okay well if, if he's doing it I could I could still do this. I, I got this. So like it just yeah, it was just that thing that that step that I needed hmm. to like get back into the game and, and really go for it. Right. Are there other people that you find to be as inspiring as your husband, or is that just a husband only <laughs> feeling? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, I have so many friends in the industry who constantly yeah. inspire me. You yeah. know, like the the friends that I made at LCAD. Are, I know they're going to be lifelong friends because like we all went into school with this mindset of what we want to do with our lives and just figuring out how to get there you know that kind of like solidarity between all of us of like okay how mm. are we going to pull this off and the fact that like one after the other we're like all breaking in and, and I always tell my friends it's like we're, we're monkeys in a barrel you know where like you, you pull one up and they pull another up and they pull another, and it's just like we're all holding hands. <laughs> we're all just like, okay, <laughs> I love let's, that. Let's go, let's, let's get through the industry. And so, you know, they they're so inspiring because all all of them have so much. What's the word? What's the word? Um, <sighs> perseverance. You know, we we all continue to persevere, and we're also dedicated to this craft of bringing games to life. And it's just. It's incredible, you know, to see people come together for that. I love how you say that being dedicated to bring games to life. 
And then we actually did another interview last week with a senior software developer. And even he said the same thing. It's just like being patient, being dedicated, consistent, and focused. And just, he's like, please just keep it up. Like, you'll you'll get there. Just exactly. Focus. You just got to, it's like, you got to have faith in yourself, you know? Because even though you yeah. can't see the future, like, if you keep yourself fighting for that same direction, you know, pushing yourself into what you want to do, eventually something's going to happen. And it's it's kind of like that, uh, like opportunity and timing is luck, you know. Where if you have the skill set, and then an opportunity comes up, and it's just the right time, like all of those like all those factors combined, you'll find that the right door opens. And so it's just a matter of when. Yeah, so you can find the opportunity. Sorry. Say that again. So there. Make your own luck as well. Ah, uh, there you go. Make your own luck. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. yeah. There's another way to look at that also. You could do the uh, what we what we often refer to uh, in the recruiting business as the shotgun blast approach. <laughs> Basically, just find everything. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wait. So you find everything and... Find everything that you're interested in. Yeah, right. I'll <laughs> Until you find something that works, you know? Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. And then the key to all this is being patient. Like, like, oh, yeah. Being patient. Just your learning journey and career and your life. Just let things happen. Yeah. Like, yeah. Be persistent. Don't be consistent. Yeah, yeah, let it happen. Exactly. Exactly. Like if you didn't take that step back, you would have never met your husband. You'd never go back into school later on. You wouldn't be doing what you're doing now. Right? Yeah, it's, it's that's weird. an amazing story. <laughs> it really blows my mind. That butterfly effect is crazy. It's like, <laughs> like it's just the fact that you know I have had all these opportunities lately. You know when I, I was able to apply to Disney, and you know when I got the freelance with Blizzard. Like all of these opportunities in my life have come through befriending certain people that like eventually thought of me later you know and it's like oh my god <laughs> it's, it's nuts and so one more time proving it's not what you know it's who you know <laughs> yeah yep. it's a bit it's a bit of both you know it's like exactly it's oh yeah for sure yeah yeah. Who you know gets you in the door, you what know. you know keeps you in the door. Exactly. Yeah. That, that's the way of putting it. It's like, mm-hmm. And it's not just the quality either. I would say it's like your personality and oh, yeah. your soft skills and like what you bring to the table as a person. You know, I think a lot of people when they when they're looking for others they want to work with, they want to see if like you, you really vibe with their culture and like if you're gonna work together as a team, you're gonna be talking to each other quite a lot. And so it's like is this person going to be nice to work with? Because you can be really, really talented, but you might not get picked over the person who's kind of okay, but like they can, they can actually talk well with their team. They can communicate. So. <laughs> my biggest challenge in my career right there, <laughs> figuring out how to be nicer so that people like me. I'm really good at what I do, and it's made me arrogant throughout my life. And Pete, that turns people off. Oh no! It's a, it's a skill. It's like same muscle memory as drawing. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It really is. I'm awesome. I heard awesome. What? Your mic's a little lower, Carter. Yeah, your mic's low. Yeah, you need to avoid saying I'm awesome. 
<laughs> oh man, it was it was there was a line in the rookie um, from the the police chief, and she was like she had been to like Afghanistan or something in the past and became a police chief. And of course, this is fiction, right? But uh, one of the one of the rookies goes out with her for an afternoon, and she's like, and she's like, you are. He's talking to the police chief. She's like, you're a badass. Why don't you tell people that? And she's like, you don't tell people you're a badass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you gotta let your work speak for you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so funny. Yeah, and so now let's get into the whole Disney and, and working for Blizzard. How how did you get that? Um, so it was uh, it was through school really. Um, because at LCAD, you know, you a lot of your teachers kind of end up being like your first connections to the industry, and um, LCAD in particular is like almost basically next door to Blizzard, and so a lot of students there, um, they end up at some point or another working for that company. And uh, for me, I was very fascinated when I started hearing about the development of Overwatch. And like when the first trailers came out and I was like, <gasps> that looks like Pixar. <laughs> that looks amazing. Oh my God, how do I get into this? And so like, I, um, uh, right on. I ended up taking a class with um, Nate Bowden. And oh, you know what? I remember. It was, we had a portfolio review at Blizzard. I remember this. Oh my gosh. And um, so this is before the class mate, but um, basically I wasn't sure if I had what it, take, what it took to actually be a concept artist. And um, I was very insecure and it was just kind of one of those like, screw it. I'm just going to show my work and whether or not they like me, like, we'll see what happens. And so <laughs> I like gathered up my best work. It was 3D and 2D stuff. And, um, and I was sitting there with the rest of my classmates and I'm seeing one after the other. They're all getting their portfolio reviews. So I'm kind of like a little too nervous to like put myself in line. I'm just sitting there. And, uh, and then there's this, uh, I guess one of the employees, he, he sits down next to me and he's like, hey, do you got any work? I was like, oh, um, here's my iPad. Here, check it out. And so um, <laughs> he looked at my stuff, and he was just sitting there silently, like, kind of looking through it. And um, he started asking me questions, of, like, what was I thinking? What about this? And what about this? And, and then he started asking me more things, like, um, what I wanted to do and, like, what I was interested in. And so, like, we just kind of had this, like, candid conversation, and I had no idea who he was. <laughs> and, um, and then he asked me, um, would you be interested in, in doing some freelance work? And I looked around, like around me to see if anyone else was hearing this. And I was like, oh shit. You're like, no way. I was like, is this like did I just get a job offer? <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> and I was like, uh, yeah. And so, yeah, that was Nate Bowden. And, um, and so he was one of the hiring managers for uh, the Overwatch outsourcing team. And um, yeah, and so then he ended up contracting me for a few months to do uh, kind of like miscellaneous support for the Overwatch team where I would help them do turnarounds with props. Um, I did a little bit, like a tiny bit of like architectural design, like helping them with some of the maps, but not that, not that much, but it was just like a nice start to really like get the groove of working with the team online. And then um, I think my favorite part was like doing the, uh, the monkeys and the Horizon Lunar Colony map where like, there's a 
there's a spawn point where you can see like a security screen and you see all the different cameras and like I drew all the apes and that whole scene and it was just like it was so fun but like it was thanks to that portfolio review that got me in the door and Nate just kind of like took a chance on me as a student and so I ended up taking a class of his like I audited it after I graduated and um, his way of teaching design and how to approach visual development was so solid and it really showed me what it means to like bring readability to your work and bringing purpose to your work and so like that on top of that freelance like side by side I think my skill set just like skyrocketed like it just like it got so good so quickly because it was just so much to take in and so that was yeah that's how I got my foot in the door wow amazing story you have Mm-hmm. That reminds me a lot of how I came to Poland, actually. So I was in Brazil, right? I didn't think I had what it took to get a job in Europe. Came for my wife, and uh, one day we just said, "Ah, whatever. We're applying. <laughs> Let's see what happens." And like six months later, we're moving in. <laughs> oh my gosh! Wow. Sometimes you just don't know your skills until someone gives you a job I guess yeah you know it's, it's someone taking a chance on you and and I think at that point it kind of really comes down to like if they feel like they can work with you and you know I was just such a baby I'm still a baby artist <laughs> like I'm still trying to figure things out but like I think it was really incredible that he took that chance on me back then so yeah well it's almost it's not having a hand it's that thing of not having a hand out it's a hand up so someone reaches and brings you up into the industry with them. It's like not a charity. It's you're going to work for this, but I believe that you can do the work and that you're good enough. So we need more people in the industry to do that for women, you know, people of color, everybody. Everybody needs uh, a hand up for sure. Yes. And, you know, it's really great to see so many movements for more diversity in games. I mean, that's yeah. something that I think that this industry has always struggled with. But mm. there has been some good development lately. I think even my studio right now, we have a uh, diversity program. We, we are seeking out more women developers, more minority developers, like anyone who isn't strongly represented already. Like we want to really bring them in and help them create their career. Great. That's really good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's beautiful. And then, so you work in a broken series now, right? How do you yeah. how do you feel about that? You feel like you made it? <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> does anyone really ever make it? <laughs> I, it's just it's such a good feeling to be with this team. Honestly, like I I love these people already, and it's been like three weeks. I think it's just. It is really incredible to have to have the ability to just like help them bring their game to life and doing it from the concept standpoint. It's like I have so much imposter syndrome half the time where I'm like, oh, my God, they're going to mm. find out I'm a fraud. Oh, my God. I just still like have that. I still have that, man. Like, I, <laughs> I know that I'm feeling. So mm -hmm. terrified. Good. Yeah. I mean, I've been working for hard. 35 years in my industry and I still have that happen to me sometimes. And it, yeah, it's a 
Well, I think a lot of it is that, you know, there's there's the fear of the unknown as part of it, right? You don't know necessarily what they're going to ask you to do. And then you don't necessarily know if you have those capabilities either. But one of the things that I found when I was working at Microsoft, my first six months there, I felt like I was drowning the entire time because <laughs> people that I was surrounded with were so amazingly good at what they did that I felt like like I was just useless. And yet every single one of them reached their hand out and brought me along with them, exactly like you were saying. It's right. it's so important to have that support from people around you. It is so important because, you know, none of us do this alone. You know, we're all in it for each other. we all got to help support each other. It's not a competition, you know, even though the industry is very competitive as far as like job placement. But when, when you're actually there with your team, we're all there to help each other. And yeah, it's... It's up to you really to make the competition uh, make you do better, not give up, right? Yeah, right, exactly. Totally. You yeah. gotta have that belief in yourself, you know? Yeah, the first man. person to believe in yourself is always gonna be yourself. It's always gotta be you, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> How can somebody love you until you love yourself? Right? Exactly! Yeah. <laughs> Well said. people believe that they want to have you on the team. <laughs> that, that actually, that, that does remind me, um, self-deprecating jokes can go a little too far sometimes, you know. When, like, <laughs> we, we love to be humble, we love to make fun of ourselves, but I think that's something that I would want to give advice to like students is during an interview, don't, don't be humble. <laughs> like, like, don't be arrogant, but don't, don't tone down what you know you're good at, you know. Yeah, your 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 job in an interview is to be a salesperson for yourself. Exactly. And salespeople are not necessarily always completely genuine about what they're saying, but you, you know, one of the key things, like you were saying, is that they avoid being arrogant and trying to talk down to the person that they're trying to sell something to, right? Yeah. You never want to punch down when you're making jokes. You just want to punch up. <laughs> yeah. You want them to know that you can do it. You're like, hey, I'm going to go in there. I'm going to make this concept art for you and best goddamn yeah. concept art you see. Well, yeah, you got to have that confidence, yeah. you know? And it's like yeah. kind of almost fake it till you make it sometimes. If yeah. you feel like you still have imposter syndrome, you, you got to just trust your future self to know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a better of, of being... <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And also being competent that you can learn what's necessary. I mean, you're always going to, you know, there's always going to be some learning. And, you know, honestly, that's, you know, that's the entire point of why we hire people and pay people more who have experience is because they spent more time learning how to do more things that we may be interested in paying them for, right? So maybe you're a concept artist and, and you know, somebody asks you to do some, you know, some sketches that could be animated. Maybe you're not familiar with doing that, but give it a try. They think you can do it. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> that does remind me, I think I have a friend, um, I won't name them, but I remember them telling me that when they got their first job, um, they got so many tasks that they actually didn't know how to do, but they never said no. They were just like, no. Oh. I'm going to learn on the job. I'm going to just mm -hmm. go for it. And they would they would study and they would just t take nights to study on what it was. They would get it done. They'd bring it in. And if their manager liked it, that means they improved. And then they just keep going. And it was just like really incredible to see that confidence. Like, oh, my God, like you're just free falling, but you're making it work. <laughs> like, you know, sometimes you just got to take that chance. Yeah, that leap of faith. 
I like that a lot, though. It's like, I mean, I feel like a lot of jobs nowadays because of like the growing industry. It's just like you might not know what you need to do, but go learn it. Go and spend the time. Make sacrifices. Yeah. If we don't hang out yeah. with friends at night and go learn what you need to learn, so that you can do a good job, so that you can get paid higher, so you can be more of a team player, so they can trust you more. Exactly. And you know, there's so many experiences in life that you're never going to get until you actually do it at some point. And sometimes that is going to be on the job. And you just got to allow yourself to take time to listen and learn and just grow with the people around you, you know? So to slowly close it off, what advice would you give to people just starting out right now? Being like, can I be an artist? Should I be an artist? Um, gosh. I guess it depends because like if they're interested in artwork they know they're interested but they're not sure what they want to do i would definitely explore different mediums different disciplines like look at what people are doing in concept art see what type of work they're doing and try to like do a lot of master copies based off that because i think what helped me a lot was just kind of practicing other people's work and then finding what actually and what I enjoyed the most and then just kind of like narrowing that down. It's like, okay, so I like painting. So what kind of painting do I want to do? Oh, okay. So I like mood painting. So how do I get into mood painting? You know, it's just like you slowly kind of narrow down that focus by first branching out into as many different disciplines as you can explore. Because as you get older, you're not going to have as much time to really do that exploration. And you're gonna have to narrow down what you wanna put your time into. So just doing as much as you can starting out is probably what I would do. Well said. And now near the end, we like to do a little challenge for all the game TV students. And so you can come up with a challenge, you can like an art challenge, a modeling challenge, a concept artist challenge, any type of challenge and give it to the students and then they'll complete it after they finish this podcast. Really? Okay. Um, I think a good challenge that I found is uh, look at a type of historical art movement, like whether it's going to be um, Impressionism or, let's see, modern art or like Dadaism. Like find something that you're not familiar with and make your own design based off that style because that's going to expand your mind to different style opportunities that you may not have thought about just by sticking to games. That's interesting. I like that. I can't wait to see what people will do with that. It, yeah, you might, you might be surprised. Yeah. So, uh, thanks for coming on. This was amazing. I do, your story was awesome. I, I know a lot of people are gonna learn from that and I've experienced a lot of artists who deal with insecurities, with doubts, with not believing that they can that their art's good enough and and even the story about ADHD it's like a lot of people have stuff that they feel like they're alone about and you give them the voice that says like hey I can do it like that's not alone so yeah thanks for coming on and now we're gonna hand the mic to you to end it off to just give any shout outs any inspirational quotes anything you want to plug in and uh, yeah thank you uh well gosh it was been such a pleasure to talk with you all I think thank you so much for having me this was really a great opportunity and um yeah no I'm glad that uh if people can find inspiration from anything I said, that, that's awesome. I uh, Specifically when it comes to ADHD, I actually would wanna um, call out, there's a great resource called How To ADHD on YouTube. Really great channel for anyone who wants to kind of see 
more um, options for treatment or just how to kind of handle day-to-day life, especially during this quarantine. I know a lot of people with my diagnosis tend to struggle with the lack of structure when, you know, you can't go to work all the time. And so how to ADHD on YouTube is a really great resource. And so strongly recommend it. And then also shout out to Unbroken Studios. I know they like those shout outs. <laughs> of course, we have a lot yes. of really great work coming in, and if yes. I, you know, I can't say anything about it, but <laughs> really, I really can't wait. So it, it's going to be something. For this episode, we're going to end it off on a different note. Now, we are very aware of what is going on around the world. We're very aware that not everything is as it seems. So we want to make it very important that you understand that we are here for you all. The conversation we had with Megan really brings up a lot of important points about how important it is to be aware of your mental health, to be aware of what is going on in your life. So to do that, we're going to give the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline phone number for anybody who feels like they need help going through any type of situation you are going through. You need to understand it. It's okay to reach out. I know it might be hard. We understand that it's not always easy to ask for help, but it's always going to be out there. We're here for you. They're here to help you get to your career goals. They help you here to get through through life, through your struggles, through your your daily life, the grind, the, the the hassles, everything that you can think of. It's it's not too much to ask for. It's not meaningless. It's it's important to us and it's important to you. So if you ever feel like you need help, reach out to us. Reach out to one eight hundred. Two seven three eight two five five. I'll say one more time: one eight hundred two seven three eight two five five. This number is there for you to speak to a counselor to help you with whatever you need. It can be anything. It doesn't have to be suicide itself. It can be ADHD. It can be depression. It can be anything you feel that you need help with. Now, I want you guys to leave with this note saying that you matter. Thank you for listening. I hope you guys have a great day. We all want you guys to continue to believe in yourself, to continue to move forward, and to understand that we feel your pain and struggles, and you're not alone. It's okay to cry. It's okay to feel like it's not going to get any better. It's okay to feel your emotions. It's okay to give up. It's okay to fall down. But we also want to remind you it's okay to, to get back up, to ask for help, to move forward, and there's always a light at the end of the tunnel. And you are capable of getting to that light. It may not be an easy road, but you can do it. And we're always here to help. And so is one eight hundred two seven three eight two five five. There's a counselor there waiting to help you out.